Get your brooms out, Orioles fans. It's a sweep as the Orioles take all three from the Detroit Tigers this weekend and have won six games in a row. I'll recap the great starting pitching, the clutch hitting, and the two walk-off wins coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, April 24th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap the Orioles' first sweep of the season, at least in a three-game series, as they took all three, three close games, but three wins over the Detroit Tigers this weekend. And the way we're going to do this episode is take a look at each game via the starting pitcher, because the three starters for the Orioles this weekend, they were the stars. And I know they had two walk-off wins, and we'll get to that, but I wanted to focus on the three starters in Tyler Wells, Kyle Gibson, and Grayson Rodriguez. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game. So it's six wins in a row for the Baltimore Orioles as they sweep the weekend series against the Tigers after sweeping that quick little two-game set against the Nats in D.C. And what a weekend it was for the Orioles. They get a walk-off win with the walk-off fielder's choice off the bat of Adam Frazier with Ryan Mountcastle sliding into home just ahead of the tag on Friday night to beat the Tigers 2-1. to then they pull away a little bit more on Saturday, winning that game 5-1. to one, And then they come back. They were almost no hit. Eduardo Rodriguez had a perfect game going for a while on Sunday. But the Orioles come back, and in the 10th, they walk it off. Adam Frazier scoring on a wild pitch to once again beat the Tigers 2-1. to one. The O's take all three games. They have now won six in a row. They have won 10 of their last 12. And they are taking advantage of this soft spark part of the schedule. It started with that four-game series against Oakland. I talked about it earlier on the podcast. The Orioles started with game one against Oakland a couple weeks ago, a 22-game stretch where, quite frankly, the best team they were playing is the Red Sox, who they start a three-game series with tonight in Baltimore. The Red Sox are basically playing just above 500 baseball at this point. They were playing all bad teams. They have played 12 of those 22 games so far. They are 10-2. and That is how you beat the teams you're supposed to beat and get ahead record-wise. 14-7, and remember, the Orioles came within three games of the playoffs last year, and they started the year 7-14. and Now they're 14-7. and That's a little bit of a difference right there through your first 21 games. But we're recapping the series sweep on today's episode and wanted to kind of break it down game by game here on the pod, but really focusing on the starting pitching performances. So let's start with Friday's game. 2-1 to one win for the Orioles over the Tigers. And we start with Tyler Wells, who, listen, Tyler Wells has got to be one of the more interesting pitchers in Major League Baseball because he has good stuff, but he's not going to strike out 10, 11 batters in a game with that stuff. It's just not how he pitches, especially not since he's been moved to the starting rotation. He's efficient. 
He gets through innings. He gets his strikeouts when he needs them, but he throws a lot of strikes. And that's what he did once again on Friday when he set a new career high for innings pitch. Tyler Wells, with what you could argue is the best start by any Orioles starter so far this season. He goes seven scoreless innings on Friday night, allowing just three hits with five strikeouts, just one walk. It took him just 95 pitches to throw seven innings. Quite frankly, if the Orioles had somewhat of a cushion in this game, remember, when Wells left the game after the top of the seventh, it was a 0-0 game. And even when Austin Hayes hits a homer in the bottom of the seventh and puts the O's up one nothing. It's still one nothing in the eighth when Brandon Hyde has to make a decision to whether he keeps Wells out there at 95 pitches or goes to the bullpen. If it's 6-7-0, Wells probably has a chance to go 8 in that game. But he was just ridiculous out there for the Orioles. Just four hard hit balls against him in seven innings of work. He now has a 2.70 ERA on the season. He got 14 whiffs which was a season high for Tyler Wells. And really, it was the changeup for me. I mean, that was the pitch for me that took Wells to another level on Friday night. Now, he mixed his pitches well. He threw five different pitches, and he threw at least 10 of each of his five pitches out of 95. 37 four-seamers, 21 sliders, 15 changeups, 12 cutters, and 10 curveballs. But he made that changeup work in just 15 pitches. Now, he didn't have any called strikes on the changeup, but that was okay because he didn't really throw it for strikes many times, but it still worked out. He got five whiffs on 10 swings on that changeup. That is a very, very good rate. His highest amount of whiffs of his 14 were those five on the changeup. That thing basically looked like a screwball at times. And he's kind of floating it in there, you know, 85, 86. Nice, nice, nice difference between his four seam fastball, which was 93, 95 on Friday night. But that thing just would float in and it would just glide away from left-handed hitters and they just kept swinging and missing. And that made his stuff different, really different on Friday night. And, you know, the four-seamer still did its job and it was in the strike zone and the slider was good. And he got three whiffs on the cutter, which was really nice to see. And he was in the strike zone basically all day with that cutter as well. Got four called strikes on that pitch. But he induces contact. He wants soft contact. And that's what he's going to get. I mean, he averaged 85 miles per hour, the exit velocity against him on Friday because he's just jamming guys, getting pop-ups, getting slow grounders, and getting some strikeouts when they come to him. And I'm just really impressed with Tyler Wells. And again, he's not going to crazy dominate you where he strikes out 10, 11, 12 guys, but he's going to stay efficient. And sometimes that means he's in the zone a little too much. You know, we saw it in his last start when he gave up four runs. You know, sometimes he's just in the zone a little bit too much. And he'll give up a couple homers, a couple extra base hits. But Friday was kind of that perfect in-between where he was in the zone just enough, but he got guys to chase some to get to the strikeouts. If they're getting that from Tyler Wells, I mean, things are looking up for the Orioles pitching staff. But he wasn't, you know, really the only star of that game, although it really did feel like. I mean, the Orioles offense, which struggled offensively in those two games against the Nationals, just five runs in those two games, luckily... They pitched two shutouts. They were basically kind of doing nothing. It was a 0-0 game when Wells leaves, you know, seventh inning stretch. And the Tigers were kind of dominating them. I mean, Michael Lorenzen, five scoreless, chasing Shreve through a good inning. But finally, Austin Hayes getting the job done in the seventh inning. Blasting a home run to center field. 106 off the bat, 413 feet off of Tigers reliever Jose Cisnero. And it put the O's up 1-0. 
Brian Baker was just absolutely fabulous again in the eighth inning to keep it at a one nothing game. He's just kind of rolling along right now for the Orioles. I mean, he went out there and got four whiffs on eight swings and just was dealing everything on Friday night. But the offense isn't going, and so they go to the ninth. They're up one nothing. They turn to Felix Bautista. It's a one-run game, but you're feeling good. But Bautista, again, just the splitter command was not there. And because of it, he kind of hangs a splitter to the first batter, Akil Badu, on 0-2. He singles. And this is something we've known Bautista has struggled with for a little bit. He just can't control runners. He's way too slow to the plate. And with the new rules in place, guys are just going to steal on him. So Badu easily steals second. Bautista does get it to two outs, but... Again, hangs another splitter, this one to Javi Baez, who laces it into left field for a game-tying RBI single. Now, luckily, Bautista kept it at 1-1. to And then you go to the bottom of the ninth, where the Orioles, I mean, offense had been quiet for a few days now. And you're thinking, how are they going to rally at this point? Can they get something going? You got Jason Foley out there, you know, for the Tigers. But they get a couple of singles, perfect hit and run put on by Santander and Mountcastle. You get runners on first and third. And then I know a lot of Orioles fans have complained about the contact play over the past few years. What the contact play is, is that when you have a runner on third with less than two outs, you're saying any ball that's hit on the ground, you are going no matter what. So ball in the air, you're going to freeze, but ball on the ground, you're going to go no matter what, and you're going to force the infield to make a play at home plate. Now, it hasn't worked out a lot for the Orioles. A lot of teams have made really good plays at home against them over the last two seasons. But this is why the contact play is a thing. Because when you force a shaky defensive team like the Tigers to make a play, sometimes they don't. And with runners on first and third and one out, Adam Frazier hits a chopper to first base. Spencer Torkelson was playing in, so he got to this ball quickly, but he makes a bad throw home. And Ryan Mountcastle, who said after the game, he's got sneaky speed, gets down the line quickly. The throw is to the wrong side of home plate. Mountcastle slides in safely. And there's your second walk-off win of the year for the Orioles. They win it 2-1. to And... Listen, the offense wasn't good, but uh, it was fun to see them kind of manufacture something to win that game on Friday night. But then you move to Saturday where things honestly did get a little bit easier for the Orioles. They got a couple of big hits early in the game, and they got a start from Kyle Gibson that was almost as good as what Tyler Wells put out there on Friday night. We'll break down Gibson and why this was one of the best starts of his career coming up after this. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. One of the coolest games that I've ever downloaded on my phone. A game that I just continue to play because it makes you feel like you could be a Major League GM. It gives you a chance to try out your skills. Can you be a Major League GM? Answer for me. I can't. Now, I'm going to criticize or compliment Mike Elias on this podcast, but I know I couldn't be a baseball GM, and Pro Baseball GM has showed that to me. It's better than fantasy baseball, though. It's better than MLB The Show because you're managing everything on a team. Hiring staff, managing finances, scouting, drafting players, managing personalities, going through free agency and the trade deadline. You do it all, and it's a realistic game world. Plus, the game is completely free. You can play offline. You play on the go. It doesn't drain your battery. It's got everything you need in Orioles fans. You're going to want to check out this game. You can also compete against me, compete against other Orioles fans as well. And Locked On Orioles listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit ProBaseballGM.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's ProBaseballGM.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So after the Orioles got the walk-off win on Friday night, they turned things over to Saturday. And... 
Saturday was actually a little bit easier, it felt like, for the Orioles. And it starts with Kyle Gibson, who was almost as good Saturday as Tyler Wells was on Friday. Kyle Gibson goes six and a third innings for the Orioles on Saturday night, allowing just one run on two hits. He strikes out 11 batters while walking three. The only run he allowed was a solo shot hit by Zach McKinstry in the seventh inning with one out. It was the last batter that Gibson faced. He threw 96 pitches down to a 3-6-0 ERA for him on the season. Just five hard hit balls against Gibson. 11 strikeouts tied a career high for Kyle Gibson. He is 35 years old. He has been pitching in the big leagues for a long time now. It's hard to at 35 when your last couple years haven't been the absolute best years of your career to match a career high in strikeouts. But the Orioles have figured out something here with Kyle Gibson, and he showed it on Saturday night. Now, once again, it was mixing pitches. But what was interesting was he basically didn't throw the four-seam fastball. It's not like he throws it a lot anyway, but he threw 96 pitches, and one of them was four-seamers. It was 30 sinkers. That was the most used pitch, 23 sweepers, 22 change-ups, 13 cutters, and seven curveballs. And it's going to be the kitchen sink approach. Except for the fact that he had one, you could argue even two, pretty elite pitches on Saturday night. Let's talk about the sweeper. This is the new pitch, you know, the pitch that has taken over baseball, the sweeping slider. Gibson added it to his repertoire last year, late in the year with the Phillies. Some of his struggles in September with Philadelphia were because he was kind of experimenting with that pitch a little bit and it wasn't going well. He fine-tuned it this offseason. Gibson throws 23 sweepers on the day. Now, only one of them was a called strike. Some of them did go way out of the zone. But when he was around the strike zone, that pitch was unhittable on Saturday. 12 swings on the sweeper, 8 swings and misses. 8 swings and misses on that sweeper on 12 swings. 67% whiff rate. That is ridiculous. Got a good chunk of the 11 strikeouts on that pitch. He commanded it just well enough to get the outs that he needed, it was fun. I mean, that thing was moving. Tigers hitters had no chance against it. And then he could back it up because he was throwing his fastballs for strikes, specifically the sinker. He threw 30 sinkers on the day. 15 of them were called strikes. 15 of those sinkers called strikes. That is a chunky number of called strikes for one pitch. And it was just sinker in the zone, sinker in the zone. Got a lot of strikeouts, kind of running that sinker back door on the outside corner to right-handed hitters. It was working for him all day. Got a couple of ground balls with it as well. Not as much as he probably would have wanted. But then you look at the changeup. And the changeup, he threw 22 of those. 10 swings, 5 whiffs. That's a really good number as well. That thing was dropping off the table. I don't think we're going to see that kind of stuff from Kyle Gibson every time he goes out there. But the sinker-sweeper change-up combination was pretty much unhittable. And then his cutter was good. I mean, he only threw 13 cutters, but he got two whiffs, he got four called strikes. It was like a helpful pitch to kind of lay into the zone when he needed one. That mix was ridiculous. Sinker-sweeper change-up cutter. All four pitches were really good. I mean, were really, really good for Kyle Gibson. You could argue this is one of the best starts of Gibson's career. I mean, that's how good he was. 34 swings Gibson induced on Saturday night. He got 18 swings and misses on 34 swings. 
That is a 53% whiff rate overall. Overall, which is kind of unheard of, especially for a pitcher in Kyle Gibson who's not really known as a swing and miss artist. He's more of a ground ball guy, throw different stuff, get you to hit soft contact kind of guy. This was like watching a different pitcher on the mound. And again, I don't think we're going to see this every five days from Kyle Gibson, but so far on the Orioles' decision to decline Jordan Lyles' option and instead basically give that same amount of money to Kyle Gibson for one year, it is working out. Now, Jordan Lyles hasn't been horrible for the Royals, but Kyle Gibson has been everything the Orioles have wanted so far as kind of the veteran in this rotation. And now, I mean, he pitched like an ace on Saturday night. Give me that 10 more times. Now, the Orioles' offense, they did give him a little bit more help. But what I will say is, the O's were kind of lucky to put across five runs in this game, if we're being honest. They got a four-run third, which was really the difference, off of Tiger starter Joey Wentz, who allowed five runs over four innings. Wentz, who dominated the Orioles when he faced him last September. That was not the case in this one. But it was nice to see the O's just kind of put things together uh, in that third inning. And, you know, they got themselves the big hit was from Ramon Arias, bases clearing double uh, in that inning to make it a 4-0 game. Then James McCann in the fourth added his first Oriole home run, a solo shot, 107 off the bat, 398 feet into the bullpen to make it 5-0. But there really wasn't a lot of loud contact in this game. I mean, the Ramon Arias double was smoked. The James McCann homer was smoked. And Ryan Mountcastle hit a single pretty hard earlier in that inning. But the Orioles only had five hard-hit balls in eight innings of that entire game. It can be difficult to score five runs on six hits and only have five hard-hit balls. I mean, James McCann had two of them. He was the only guy with multiple on the day. It was not a great offensive performance. Now, they still came up with five runs, which is good enough to win a lot of games. But it wasn't great approaches at the plate, but they still got through. And listen, five runs was enough because after Gibson dominated, we got to see the Yenier Cano show. I mean, this guy is unreal. Unreal. Yenier Cano comes in for Kyle Gibson after Gibson gives up the solo shot to Zach McKinstry with one out in the seventh, makes it a five to one game. Yenier Cano comes in and just retires all five batters he faces with three strikeouts. Only took him 19 pitches, just ridiculous stuff. And Yenier Cano has now retired all 17 batters that he has faced so far this season. That is unheard of. He also threw seven changeups. He got three swings on it. All three were swings and misses. They literally did not make contact with his changeup on Saturday night. Cano has still retired or recorded more outs, 18, than batters faced, 17. Because remember, the first batter he faced all year was in that game, that Friday night game against the White Sox, where he came in and immediately induced a double play to end the inning. So he's gotten 18 outs, and he's only faced 17 batters, yet he's retired all 17 batters. This dude's ridiculous. Danny Coulomb came in and finished the game off, and the Orioles took the series on Saturday night. But they still had their eyes on the sweep on Sunday, because when you got a team like the Tigers, although it was coming in playing well, Tigers had won 5 of 6 coming into the series, The Orioles had lost 5-6 of to the Tigers last year. They didn't want that to happen. And they really wanted their first three-game sweep of the year. It was tough. They had to grind it out, but they got it done on Sunday. And a lot was because of what Grayson Rodriguez was able to do 
in his fourth career start. We'll tell you how he did it, getting through five scoreless innings, coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, getting to know yourself, it can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and we're always changing. Things are always changing in our lives, whether we know it or not. And therapy is about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. Well, BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Now, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash MLB to get 10% off your first month when you send that in today. That's BetterHelp, help, H-E-L-P dot com slash MLB. And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. Because if you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and the calories, then you need to try Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And I like to make some healthy snack choices at times, and Built Bar is just right for me. They're healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, this is the first really good tasting protein bar I've ever had. They really do taste like candy bars. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got these amazing, amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. And I'm not sure how they do it because you feel like you're eating a candy bar, but it's only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait to get yourself a box. You can go to Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can still get specialty flavors at Built.com, but you can now get those classic flavors at Walmart and Sam's Club. That's right, Walmart, Sam's Club, head in, get some cookies and cream, some double chocolate, or whatever you like. You get a 13-bar box, a four-bar box, whatever. And you can also still go to Built.com to get your hands on those delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So with the Orioles having taken the first two games of the series, two to one with a walk-off Friday, five to one, the winner on Saturday, they were going for the sweep on Sunday. And they were sending the rookie sensation, Grayson Rodriguez, to the hill for his fourth major league start. Now, the first thing we were all worried about was what's going to happen in the first inning. Because in his first, in his three first first innings, I guess is the best way to say that, he had given up seven earned runs in his first three starts. That wasn't very good. And he had walked the leadoff batter in his start in all three starts. So it was nice that even though he gave up a leadoff single to Akil Badu in the first inning of this game Sunday, it was very nice that it was not a leadoff single or a leadoff walk, I should say. You know, it was better the fact that Rodriguez turned around and struck out the next three batters. So first of all, he has crossed two thresholds already in the first inning of Sunday's game. Number one, don't walk the leadoff batter. Number two, put up a zero in the first inning. That's exactly what he did. Then things did get a little dicey for him. Got dicey in the second, got out of a jam. Got dicey in the third with the bases loaded. Ryan McKenna made a nice play on a line drive to get him out of a jam. Settled down a little bit more, had a really good fourth, really good fifth. And once again, it showed that he's continuing to get better 
as starts go along. Even though he didn't give up any runs, especially not early in the game, he got better as it went along. And Grayson's fourth start looked like this. Five scoreless innings, five hits, six strikeouts to three walks, 92 pitches, lowering his ERA to 5.12 on the season. Now, he did allow seven hard hit balls on the day, and he definitely got some help from his defense throughout his five innings of work. And you don't really want to run your pitch count up to 92 through just five innings. You would have liked for him to at least come out there and pitch to six scoreless. But what he did do is get out of some jams, stay focused, not let a tough inning turn into a big inning, still put up the zeros. And I got to be honest with you, I felt like of the four starts so far for Grayson Rodriguez, this was where his stuff looked the worst. His fastball velo was a little bit down. He was averaging 96, whereas he's mostly averaged 97 throughout the year. You know, he only got nine whiffs, which was a season low. Five came on the four-seam fastball, but only one on the slider and two on the changeup. He mixed, you know, the four-seam fastball used a, a lot. Then he mixed slider, changeup, curveball pretty well, threw in a couple of cutters in there. Now, he was around the strike zone enough, but it seemed like he was fighting something a little mechanical, especially in the middle innings. He was missing with some curveballs, especially, like, three feet above the zone. Like it was getting bad for a while with that curveball, but he found a way to throw five scoreless innings. And again, I get it. It's the Tigers lineup. It's the same thing we talked about with playing the Nationals Tuesday and Wednesday. Like these are two of the five worst lineups in Major League Baseball, the Tigers and the Nats. I get that. But they're still Major League hitters and you still got to get them out, especially when, as I think on Sunday, Grayson Rodriguez did not have his best stuff, but he still got them out. And that's what matters at the end of the day. And you look up, and it's the first time he's put up a zero in an entire start. So you will take that. So you think, all right, he got through the first inning issue. Now if you can put that together with the let's get that really good stuff he had in Chicago after the first inning, your eyes get wide and you think, this could get really, really good for Grayson Rodriguez as we move on here. Good thing is, his next start, he's going to get to face the Tigers again in Detroit next weekend. So that's always going to help him out as well. But again, I thought the stuff wasn't amazing, but he just went out there and he threw fastballs by hitters because he knew, even though he was a tick down on the fastball, he knew they couldn't catch up to it. And the changeup was his friend a couple of times and the slider was his friend a couple of times, but generally he did just enough to get through five scoreless. And the Orioles had a fairly rested bullpen on Sunday. Again, they got seven from Tyler Wells Friday, six and a third from Gibson on Saturday, they had an off day Thursday. So very rested in the pen. So they knew, okay, we get five strong from Grayson. Let's empty out the bullpen. Let's get this win. And that that is what they did. Because again, the offense just didn't do anything in this game. Now, shout out to Eduardo Rodriguez. He was certainly doing something. The former Orioles prospect, he was perfect through six and two thirds. And honestly, it was pretty easy. He struck out six over seven scoreless innings. Luckily for the Orioles, Ryan Mountcastle with two outs in the seventh, big-time battle, lines a 1-2 pitch into left field for a base hit, breaks up the perfect game, and the no-hitter, so it was nice that the O's didn't have to deal with that on Sunday. But Rodriguez was nasty, but then the O's got to the bullpen. They got Rodriguez out there. I still can't believe the Tigers pulled Eduardo at 95 pitches after seven innings. He was so good, he should have went back out there. But he didn't, and the Orioles struck. Jorge Mateo... With one out in the eighth inning, back from the hip injury, gets himself on base with a single. They bring up Anthony Santander as a pinch hitter for Ryan McKenna with two outs. And Santander gets an 0-2 pitch from Chasen Streve, lines it down the left field line. And I honestly could not believe it that 
Jorge Mateo scored on that ball from first. That ball did not make it into the corner. It bounced off the sidewall. Akil Badu in left field fielded it well in from the actual left field wall. Kind of a bad throw to the cutoff man, and then the throw home wasn't great. And Mateo, with that great speed, slides in safely to tie the game. And the Orioles couldn't score anymore. They tied it at one, and it was nice to see Felix Bautista come back and get a 1-2-3 ninth. And then they get the walk-off in the 10th. But before they could even have a chance to get that walk-off, I mean, you got to shout out to the Orioles' bullpen. It was very rested, so Brandon Hyde had a lot of options. And after Rodriguez left, you get a scoreless inning from Mike Bauman. You get two outs from Brian Baker. Now, CNL Perez did give up the only run. He was bad again. Two outs, two hits, and a run on just five pitches, just kind of laying the ball down the middle. I'm really concerned about CNL Perez. But Austin Voth came in, and even though he did give up the sack fly on the first pitch that gave the Tigers a 1-0 lead in the eighth, he got two key outs to keep it a 1-0 game. Felix Bautista in the ninth, 1-2-3 with two strikeouts. And then how about Keegan Aiken, who hadn't pitched in 10 days, was back from the paternity list, and Keegan Aiken comes out there in the 10th with a zombie runner on second in a one-run game, gets a ground out, issues an intentional walk, gets a strikeout, issues another intentional walk to load the bases, and then gets a pop-out to keep the Tigers scoreless. And it sets it up for the 10th, where the Orioles can come out there and try to win the game. And listen, the Tigers' defense helped out the Orioles a lot in that walk-off. Start the, the inning with Taron Vavra, pinch hitting, gets down a bunt, Adam Frazier goes to third with one out. And they bring the infield in. They put five infielders in there. And it takes literally one pitch from Mason Englert that Jake Rogers, the catcher for the Tigers, just did a terrible job of trying to block. Gets far enough away that Adam Frazier scampers home and slides in safely under the tag. Orioles' second walk-off win in three days over the weekend. They win it 2-1. to one. They sweep the series. They get to 14-7. and seven. And I think the big takeaways from the weekend were starting pitching amazing, bullpens rounding it out, and... The offense is in a little bit of a rut right now, but they found a way to win games. I mean, Adley Rutschman, this weekend, I mean, the man did almost nothing. He was two for three with a walk and an RBI on Saturday. That was good. He went 0 for 4 Friday and Sunday. I mean, they weren't getting a lot from their big bats at all this weekend. And you find a way to sweep a series. That is huge for the Orioles. And next up, they try to keep the winning streak going. It's six straight wins for the O's, and they will try to make it seven tonight. Now, that 22-game stretch I talked about against, you know, eh, teams. This is the best team they're going to play in that stretch. The only team with a winning record, it's the Boston Red Sox, who just had a, a really fun back-and-forth series where they split with the Milwaukee Brewers. Red Sox are in last place right now. They're 12-11, and 11, looking up at the second-place Orioles. And in game one tonight, a 635 start, it'll be a rematch of the second game of the season in Boston. Chris Sale goes for the Red Sox. He's got an eight ERA on the year. His stuff still looks Chris Sale-like, but man, he's gotten hit around a lot this season. He still has 30 strikeouts in 18 innings, but given up a lot of runs, but his last start was great against the Twins. Six innings, one run, 11 strikeouts for Chris Sale. Now remember, the Orioles did get to him on that second game of the year, three innings, seven runs, seven hits, three homers for the O's. They hope to do that again. But it's Dean Kramer going for the Orioles, and he got hit around by the Red Sox in that same game. Kramer with a 6-1-6 ERA through four starts this year. Did throw six and two-thirds scoreless against the Nats during the week, but that first start against the Red Sox, three innings, five runs, six hits, and two home runs. 
let's hope that game or this game tonight doesn't go the way that game went because, uh, yeah, that was the game with the Ryan McKenna ending. We don't want that. We want a seventh straight Orioles win. But whether or not it is, I'll be back with you on the pod tomorrow recapping game one between the Orioles and the Red Sox. We'll see if the O's can keep the winning streak alive. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.